Hallelujah. I got up this morning about, I slept in about 10 after 4. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me something and said, Son, there is a transition and a season change coming to the body of Christ. And I've been sensing it for many months. But the Lord said, there is a changing of seasons coming to the kingdom. For there has been over the years a sowing or an activity of a weakened, weary, compromised, self-centered church. Self-motivated to its will, blind and lukewarm to mine. I would add in there that I think many of the preachers today that we thought that we call large churches and so forth, not all of them, but many of them are nothing but glorified motivational speakers. They don't preach doctrine. They don't preach sin. They've taken Calvinism into a hyper-Calvinism that grace covers everything so you can do everything that you want. But whether we like it or not, there is an eternal hell to those that do not walk in the ways of God. But there is coming a season and that we as Christians are going to begin to experience. Now it may be more experienceable or seeable in our congregation, but it's going to take place all around the world. The gulf between the compromise, the lukewarm, those that have hidden things is going to abound. And we begin to see the, 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 the season of the world is even changing. And it's, it's, it's calling, as it were, the world back to the place of right and wrong. We see all types of leaders in Hollywood and now in our government being caught uh, in affairs, illicit sex, perverted sex, pedophilia. All types of things are going on. And I'm just telling you that as God begins to bring those things to the world, remember what God said. Don't judge those without. I'll incorporate that. But judge those that are within. So I'm telling you that as judgment has begun to fall in the United States of America and around the world, it's going to begin to fall in the churches today. Not only on its leadership, but on its members. Those things that are hid are going to come out. And the things that we know that should not be accepted by God. God gives a great encouragement or warning to the churches in Revelation. The seven churches, they call it the church age. But at the each and every ending of it, God says this. He says these words to them. Uh, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt, or he that overcometh will be seated with me in heavenly places. There is a reward, and there is coming a time, and it does tell us that there is a time that we have to resist, we have to pull down, and we have to be victorious. Could I get an amen? I'm telling you that this is coming because it is upon us. It is a time that you and I need to be vigilant, 
that we need to turn from the wicked things that we may have allowed to fill our life or our language or our, our activities with. It is, means that we need to lay aside our sins that have simply so easily beset us and we need to come into the light of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he that is of God comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest in that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. In other words, we have to do things that are being scrutinized or accepted by the scriptures. We have to, we as a church, as a body of Christ, not just this church, as the church overall, has ceased to pursue spiritual things. We uh, have been raised in a generation that has taught faith, and I believe in faith from the deepest part of my bones. I believe in faith, its power to change and to accomplish the task. I believe in its power to keep me. I believe in its power to make the every promise of God a reality. But the Bible tells us that we are to add to our faith diligence and temperance and long-suffering. And those that do not do these things are simply blind without even knowing it. And if we have not been doing those things, which overall the body of Christ has not been doing, then we are blinded in part. And we as a church, the whole body of Christ, but I only pastor this one. So I'm concerned about this assembly, that this assembly rises up and realizes that there is a season coming. Now, you can prepare for a season or a season will be thrust upon you. You can incorporate a season of judgment, of sanctification, a time of beginning or time of getting ready. Remember, it's time for the virgin to trim its wick and to fill its lamps. It's time for the virgins to get ready because whether you like it or not, Jesus is coming back. And please hear me, he's coming back quicker than you think or I think he is. He's gonna come back like a thief in the night. Now you can turn off all the signals that God is sending you and keep that television on and keep yourself blinded, numb, and dumb if you want. But there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to split the sky and he's coming back for a church that is ready. That seasonal change is here. It is a time. Listen, virgins, listen, because I'm telling you, the forerunners are heralding Jesus is coming back. And so we see this pattern. It's nothing new. It's been 40 years since 19. 78. Next year will be a 40th year. It is called the year of renewal. We came out of it as a charismatic movement. Charismatic movement and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the belief in the gifts, walking by faith, living holy, is a shadow of what the church used to be. We've fallen so far the, from the tree, we don't even, people think we came off the elm tree instead of the apple tree. Yeah. It has no reflection of who we used to be and what that movement did for the United States of America. Now, the pattern is, is that God would deal with a generation. And a generation, in every generation, there comes this work of the adversary that drives the church away from 
its doctrines and its belief systems. And therefore, every generation is looked at as a generation without a purpose. The generation that we're dealing with is nothing new. It's the same thing as the hippie movement. You think they're a mess? The hippies were a mess. They, they were a mess. A bunch of long-haired, strung-out, drug, free-given sex, anti-establishment, cop-killing people in America. You might not have known that 40 years ago. Number one target of every extremist was a policeman. They were bombing police headquarters in cities, in New York and so forth. People were being killed on Kent State. Marijuana was the inducing drug into heroism, uh, heroin, and now it's coming right back except we want to legalize it so we can give birth to heroin. And so all of these things right in the streets, we're having them today. Uh, there was the great Black Panthers. There were uh, movement. There were uh, segregations taking place. Listen, folks, if you think you it's bad now, listen, 1960 was just as bad. And I'm telling you now that it is repeating itself. And out of that great hippie movement, out of that movement of a generation that, God, that man said there was nothing good coming, God rose up hundreds of thousands of hippies brought them into the kingdom of God and they're pastoring churches today and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ better than those that have come out of the midst of a lukewarm, carnal, compromising, self-centered, self-addicted church. Now, that movement is coming and it's quickly going to be upon us. So I would encourage you that if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged by the world. I'm telling you, the judgment of God has started on this world and it is going to find its way right into the kingdom of God and so I encourage you that we turn around and that we become who God wants us to become now the Bible Jesus tells us that in the day that seasons are going to change he told us that we were not to be blinded that we were a, should be able to discern the signs of God, the times of God, just as easily as we could. The signs of the natural, if we've seen clouds and so forth. In uh, Matthew 16, uh, verse 1 through 4, it says this. The Pharisees said, and uh, the Sadducees came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign. Do you know, anybody know what a Pharisee is? He was the one that believed in the law, but perverted the law to adjust it to his life. Sadducees don't even believe in a resurrection. And that's nothing new because we still have them today. They have hundreds of people in pulpits that don't even believe in a resurrection or a virgin birth. And we have thousands of people listening to them. They're just as dumb as the people they're taught preaching to. And I, I'm sorry. It's a God's truth. And it says, and the Pharisees came with the Sadducees, came and tempting, desiring that he would show them a sign. And he answered and said unto them, what, where is it that ye say it will be today weather for the sky is red? And in the morning it will be foul weather today because the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. 
Why? Because they're blinded to that which God has already sent. And it says this, and there shall no sign be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. The Bible says in Matthew 24 that there will come a time that they will be saying, here's a Jesus and there's a Jesus. Here's Christ and there are Christ. He says, follow them not. And then he comes and he says this, the love of many will wax cold because iniquity will abound. See, when iniquity starts abounding in the nation and in the world, if the church doesn't protect itself, it becomes affected and infested by it. See, we think much of what the world is saying is right is right, and it's not right. Some of us have our TV shows. Uh, I, I was watching an a advertisement. I don't know what channel I was on, but it showed a modern family. I think that's what it was called. Two guys kissing, and they had a child ruling a house. Well, I know that's sickening, but more sickening is Christians watch that stuff. And you think that's entertainment. That is the world bringing iniquity to your household. And if you keep letting it infect you, you will become so infected that you will be blind. And your love for Christ will grow cold. And it'll turn and you'll be offended easily. And you will seek to harm those who you once counted as people of God. So this season is going to come. Somebody say, it's up on us. And it is up on us. And I'm warning you right now that this season is coming. I woke up at 4 o'clock, and I don't even, I looked at my message. I said, God, this don't even make sense. And uh, it may not make sense to you. He just said, well, just go ahead and preach it. So I'm going to preach it. So if it sounds stupid, you just tell God. That was a stupid message. And uh, anyway... So here's what I want to do. Tomorrow, I'm calling our church on a fast. You say, well, well, you can't do that. Well, you just listen to me. I just did. And a king, a priest, and a prophet could call an assembly or nation to a fast. I'm calling this assembly to a fast. Well, what, what if I need some food for medicine? Well, you don't need three courses. You eat a quarter of a sandwich, drink a shot of orange juice or whatever you do, then you do it. For 24 hours, this church is going to be on a fast. It's going to be a 24-hour fast, and it's a time to judge ourselves. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, that if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged with the world. 1 Corinthians 2 says, he that is spiritual... So if you don't want to be a part of this, I can locate you in just a moment. You're carnal. Now that is a rebuke, but it's also an invitation to stop being that way. Now you get in on this fast so that you can be a part of going to heaven. Now, uh, this fasting is a, an act of humility. The word humility in Psalms 35, 13. It says that when my enemies were sick, God, I humbled myself as if I myself was sick 
and I humbled myself with fasting and I sought your grace for his healing. And so we're going to call self-affliction. We're going to humble ourselves and we're just going to say, God, I'm entirely too blind. You say, oh, I just don't think that's the problem you're thinking. Just follow me. I've been where you are. Stop thinking for yourself. It ain't worth it. You just have to redo stuff. <laughs> All right. Now, Psalms 35, 13 says, I've humbled myself. The word humble means I have afflicted myself. I have exercised myself to find your grace and mercy for the help of another. And so we're going to do that. Psalms 25, 1 says that I lift my soul up unto the Lord. My soul up unto the Lord. We need to let God sanctify us. When Israel went to cross over into Jordan, God said, take new knives and circumcise every man. It's time to allow the old man to be cut away, that a new man can rise up and be Lord of our life. Amen? Amen. And then Psalms 23, 3 says that the Lord is the helper of my soul, the restorer of my soul. We need to be restored, folks. We need to get back to what holiness is. Some people couldn't even tell you. If I asked what, what is holiness right now, people just say, well, not wearing uh, miniskirts or not wearing this or not. No, it had nothing to do with that. It means that you hate what God hates. Therefore, you walk as God would walk. But the problem is, is that we have been accepting for far too long those things that God hates. So, let's get it right. 24 hours from tomorrow morning. We're going to fast until Tuesday morning. So, if you're like me, at 4 o'clock, I'll be eating breakfast at 4.30. Yeah, what are you going to be eating? I'm going to be like Nick and Randy. I'm going to put on Thanksgiving dinner, wake up at 4 o'clock, have Phil serve it to me. I'm going to come to church and pray. Now, but we're going to fast for this 24 hours. And what we're going to do is we're going to fast and we're going to ask God by his grace and mercy to judge us. Find in me, God, secret sins. Show me where sin has tainted righteousness. And so that's what this church is going to do. And I understand you say, oh, well, I don't want to. Well, everybody has a section of carnality or carnal ones in their church. I understand that. But I, I did invite you not to be like that. Okay, hallelujah. Listen, even the Catholics fast during Lent. And, and you complain that you're a Christian, you haven't fasted all year. I shouldn't have said that. Now, now you're getting madder. All right, so... Well, I have, okay, I'm sorry for those of you I false accused, but for those of you that the shoe fits, <laughs> shove that fat foot in it. Now, 24 hours, and we're going to ask God. Listen, folks, listen, please. We're going to face a time that Jesus is going to come. I don't care if you drive Mercedes, and I don't care if you drive Volkswagen, leave the lights on it. I don't care what you drive. But you're going to heaven with nothing. 
you, you aren't going in your Tommy Hilfiger uh, underwear. You're going, praise God, you don't matter if you're wearing Walmart secondhand ones, which I do, and I would encourage you, quit buying them. They ride right up in the middle. I'm, I'm done. Don't do it. Anyway, but we're, we're going to be fasting, and we're going to be seeking God. We're going to be seeking God. I think Budweiser said it best. You only go around once in life. You better make sure you hit the target. Amen? Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Pastor, is the message going to be better than that announcement? Oh, God, I wish. Now, let's uh, praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter 1.12. 2 Peter 1.12. David, you better move out of that first aisle. It's going to be dangerous to be here today. No, I'm kidding. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. Negligent. Notice every preacher, every preacher, every preacher is shackled with the responsibility to put people into remembrance of the things that Peter is writing. That though they know them, we are to be established in the present truth. In other words, we are not allowed to let yesterday's convictions and truths that have formulated our lifestyles of faith to be decayed or defiled or watered down. Next verse. Yet, yea, I think it met, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. In other words, we are to put things into remembrance so that we can stay stirred, stoked on fire. Whenever a man or a woman loses the value of their soul, or eternal life and lives as if it may not happen he has lost sight of eternity and why Jesus really came now if you go to John 6 26 to 27 I'll show you that in John 6 26 and verse 30 uh, verse 21 I'm just like, you know, get it right, Peter. Matthew, yeah, John, there you go, thank you. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed. Next verse. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Next verse. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Now, we are not to busy ourselves about being so cumbered about that we forget that we are to hear what God says so that we may live. But we get so enamored with all of the other things that we're doing that we think life really is about getting having and preparing for retirement we may never see retirement i hope i do i no no i really don't i i don't know if i'm going to retire somebody said oh my god you're going to be here next year hell yeah <laughs> hallelujah yes and uh let's go to a luke tw uh luke the 12th chapter and verse 16 and so when we forget about the things that God has placed on the inside of us, we begin to take ownership 
of our life. When you lose the value of your soul, in other words, let's say this, you play, what is that, a Russian roulette with your eternity. And you play with sin. And you accept its invitation for momentary pleasure, much like Baal, much like Esau, for a morsel of food. What happens is this. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns. I'll build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I will now conduct my soul. I'll be my savior. I'll be the one that guarantees its end. Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for you. For many years, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, You fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now the question would be, who owns your life? Who owns your goods? Who owns your time? Whose will are you fulfilling? What course are you going to take? And do you have figured out your own eternity aside from God's guarantee of forgiveness through Christ? Now God is talking to a man that once served him. He's not talking to a man that hasn't served him. God said, really, I'll let you then figure out who's going to have your goods when I come and take your life. In other words, God's saying, you're not in control of your fruit. You're not in control of your barns. You're not in control of your time. You're not in control of your will. And you sure don't have a handle on your eternity. God challenges us that we make sure that our purpose and focus is on one thing. Can anybody tell me what that is? Eternity. It is not a secondary thought. It is not a secondary plan. It is the only plan. You ain't getting out of this world alive. And you're not going to get through eternity without going to heaven or hell. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So we need to make sure that we don't stop hearing what God wants us to hear and that we don't stop being aware of his will superseding our will. We must never live just to live, but we must live with eternity as our focus. When Jesus gives us warnings of the times, we need to pay close attention because they're going to happen whether we are ready or whether we're not. We can be involved in the planting and the harvesting of God or we can be caught 
on the end of it. The question is, are we going to govern our life by the seasons of God or by the seasons of man? If we do not respond, re respond to these seasonal changes, God will stop being heard in our life. We will blind ourselves and the changing or the chastening of the Lord or the convictions of God pretty soon will leave us. Will leave us. Because God's talking to people today. He's talking to each and every one of us. And he didn't just start talking about what we've been allowing in our lives. He started talking to us about the things that we allowed in our lives years ago. He started talking to us years ago about our wicks smoking up our light, about our lamps being very low on oil. But we kept pursuing everything. We wanted the title, but we never wanted the responsibility. And so what happens is the chastening of the Lord which is God's plan to guarantee you that you are not deceived and misled by the devil. And his chastening brings us to a place called holiness. Let's go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse 5. When we begin to not respond to the chastening of the Lord, now, chasing is not a good word. It is, I mean, a bad word. It's a good word. Because without the chastening of the Lord, our consciences can override things that are certainly opening doors to the things of the devil. And so we have to make sure that we have the voice of God in us so we don't want to take our will. We don't want to claim ownership to everything. We don't want to do what we want to do. We don't want to plan for our own soul because only in God is our salvation. And it says this, and you have forgotten the exaltation wherein speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth. He corrects, he instructs, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure, if you go through, if you stand up to, if you don't forsake the process of God correcting you, which means that he puts taking out the old things and putting in new things, where it means that he is transforming you into the likeness of Christ, then God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father does not chasten? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all sons are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which correcteth us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather in, be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days chasteneth our fathers after their own pleasure, but he, is, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of what? All right, next verse. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, hold on. 
afterward, after the process is gone, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths of your feet, lest that which is lame, hurt, wounded, hardened, uh, disrespondent, be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And that is why you're sitting at home. You are embittered because you think God didn't do you right. Listen, you need to humble yourself, get off your high horse, because God will not be moved. He never did it to hurt you. He did you right just because you didn't understand or you never saw it the way you thought you saw it. Let me tell you, heaven and hell are in the balance. It's time to get rid of bitterness, doubt, and come back and establish your faith in God. I'm warning you right now, I'm telling you, you are going to face death. And I don't want to prophesy you're going to die, but you are going to die. You are going to die if you do not right your life with God. Now, I want you to understand something here. It says that God is chastening us, correcting us, bringing things back to our remembrance that men, preachers, and the Bible says to us for one sole purpose, to keep us from being deceived and keep us from being separated from God and unholy people. You say, oh, well, well, I want, no, no. The Bible says this, you are holy because of the blood of Christ, but holiness is an ongoing work. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says that we are to perfect holiness. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. And he gives a list, what fellowship does uh, God have with Baal? And he goes on and tells about the ungodly life of those that don't know God. But God says, come out from among them and perfect holiness. In other words, you're going to have to break free of that world or you're going to end up being judged by it. Now, God is seeking to perfect holiness in our life. Could it get an amen? amen? Now, we do not respond to that. Here's what happens. Pretty soon, you're going to get a hardened heart. Pretty soon, you're going to get deafness of ears. You're going to get a stiffness of neck. You're going to be like Samson. You're not even going to know that God has left you. See, sometimes when we come in into church, we say, oh, man, I feel the presence of the Lord. That's because it's here. Sinners feel the presence of the Lord. I've had them say, man, I feel something weird when I come into your church. I said, yeah, you're right. It's God. I'd like to feel that all the time. I said, well, you can't. You've got to get saved. So you can't just come into church and say, oh, well, well, I felt the presence of the Lord. Well, that's good, but one of these days you're going to wake up like Samson. You're not going to feel it, and you're not even going to know it. Wouldn't it be horrible, Phyllis, to not endure the chastening of the Lord or to endure it and then go back and pick it up later? 
and then end up with a hardened heart, a stiff neck, disrespondent ears and eyes. Pretty soon, because you didn't endure, you would be a bastard. You would be fatherless from God's perspective. Oh, well, 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 God won't do that. I, I didn't say he would. I said you would. God won't cast you away, but you can sure jump. Yes, hallelujah. God is working in us, with us, and through us to bring holiness to a complete work so that we may be prepared to meet God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And holiness is perfected by us doing what God speaks to us to do by word as well as personal convictions. It requires a turning from wrong things to a turning of doing things right in our actions, our thoughts, and our vocabulary. And it causes transformation of the old man into a Christ-like man. A Christ-like man. Now go to 1 John 5.18. 1 John 5.18. Where are you going, Pastor? I don't know. I told you. You know more about this message than I do. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. The wicked, the wicked one is certainly trying to touch us, but... When it says, he that is born of God sinneth not, doesn't mean that we don't miss marks. Doesn't mean that we don't get caught in entrapments. What it means is that we never set up a way of life that is contrary to righteousness with God. Because you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fall into things, and you're going to miss the mark. But when you are born of God, you do what? You always respond to the chastening of the Lord. All right, now let's go to 1 John uh, 2, 12. 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you and his name, for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. He writes to people, David, that are overcomers. Amen. And he tells us we can overcome the wicked one. And that's what the chastening of the Lord does. And that's what responding the way the word wants us to respond. Living what the Bible says. And then I want to get to the crust of what I think God wants me to do. Go to 2 Peter 2.15. 2 Peter 2.15. And I believe that this is the work of of iniquity that is taking place in the kingdom of God right now. 2 Peter 2.15. It's before John. It's after Hebrews. It's after James. It's after 1 Peter. 
right there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Go ahead. There you go. All right. Which have forsaken the right way? Somebody say, you can't forsake something that you weren't in. You can't forsake something you were not in. So much for those that can't backslide. All right. The right way. And are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Next verse. But we, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb donkey. Some of you say A-A-S-S, yeah, you don't need to say that. You know the world thinks it's cussing. So just speaking with man, if your kid said it, you slap him in the mouth, you say it, your spirit's all right. Speaketh with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. There are, they, these are wall, wells without water. Didn't say they're not wells. They don't have the water. They're clouds. In other words, they fit in. They look just like you. That are carried with the tempest to whom the midst of darkness uh, is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh. Oh, God, may I? Uh, okay, nope, I can't have that moment. I was going to take a moment and get all my anxiety out of those motivational speakers. They allure you, allure you, allure you through the lust of your flesh, through much wantonness. Oh, I want great things. I want this. I want that. Well, well, just do this. Just do this. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in there. Now, no, whoa, whoa, stop. They allure through the lust of the flesh those who were clean escaped from those that had lived in there. In other words, they're not after David. The sinner, the lukewarm, the cold, the stiff neck, they're after the ones that have escaped and are in right relationship with God. Woo. All right, next verse. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of what? Not of God. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped, after, somebody say after, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Wow. Now, now, do you see what's taking place? The devil, people that are used by him, they are now alluring people, the body of Christ the body of Christ. And they are alluring them because of the lust of their flesh and through much wantonness. And they allure them, telling them that they can promise them the way out. But the problem is, is that once they start entangling you with the affairs of life 
and the affairs of much uh, busyness and so forth, they overcome. The latter end is worse than the beginning. Let me tell you something. You get set free from something, don't open the door to it again. Because you may never get set free of it again. Now the next verse. Watch this. Oh, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. So evidently they have known the way, right? Uh, well, you can't know the way of righteousness without knowing Jesus. Then after that they have known him to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Well, you can't turn from something if you're not on the right road. So much for not backslide. And it happened unto them according to the true proverb. This proverb is found in Proverbs 26, 11. Absolutely, it is in, in Proverbs. And it says the dog is turned to his own vomit again. Somebody say again. In other words, he's going back and repeating something he's separated from. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Isn't that amazing? So you can turn. Or deception would be futile. You can turn or temptation would be futile. You can sin a sin that would separate you from God. Or the sin in the attempt would be futile. Wow. Hmm. Become entangled and overcome shows the change least you be led astray. So it's possible to be free, but it's possible to become bound. Sure. Right? Sure. All right. Let's go to Matthew 12, 43. I know you know these things. But I was just glad I didn't have to study at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I wrote down what come to my head. Now, Matthew, when the unclean spirit, somebody say spirits control people. The unclean spirit is gone out of a man. He walketh the spirit through dry places seeking rest, and he doesn't find any. Then he saideth, devils can talk, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he will find it empty, swept, and garnished. Hmm. Then goeth he... And he talks and makes a deal with other, taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first state. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, anybody that would read that would have to say, well, he's talking to me. Because everybody that says, unto this wicked generation, would have to say, well, he's saying unto me, this wicked generation, this is going to happen. Now, this is how the devil's going to get a hold of people that have been set free. He's going to come back, and because they haven't cleaned their life up, if they haven't changed lifestyles, haven't changed input, haven't changed outgo, What's going to happen is the devil's going to come along and he's going to stop. How many of you did pumpkins this year? 
we, we, we carved a pumpkin and we put a, a mouth on it and we stuck a leg of my pants in it and a shoe out on it and then we put ketchup on it uh, and then we put another pumpkin there and said don't be afraid come in and knock or come in anyway come on whatever it is and uh why did you do that? Well, I, I, Quentin, we wanted to do something to do. Well, that's of the devil. Really, I thought it was carving. I think my intent was not to induce fear and drive spirits away, except the people that had them that were coming to my house that I knew that had them. Then I wanted them to go away. But it was just carving. So we did a pumpkin. And... We put it there. Now, when we think of decorating the house, we decorated our house. So what would that say? Hey, these people believe in pumpkin painting or whatever it is. Now, we're getting ready to change, David. In fact, you're supposed to be at my house next Friday morning to bring up all that Christmas stuff again. Yeah. I know it. I'm telling you, what a... Anyway, so we have to do that next Friday morning. I'll see you about 9 o'clock. All right. There, I've already taken care of it. Now, and, but we're going to decorate our house like Christmas. Now, everybody that is trying to get us to buy a gift for another one or, or celebrates Christmas will be invited into our home. They'll say, oh, they believe in Christmas. And they'll come, right? Well, devils are like that. If they come along and they say, oh, don't go in that house. Look at that Jesus sign in there. Celebrate Jesus, the reason for the season. Oh, let's not go there. Then they come to one that says, Welcome, Santa. They say, ha, 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 ha. Let's go in here. <laughs> and you decorate yourself. You get what you decorate for, right? Yeah. If you want, like, hillbillies to come to your house, put broken cars out in your yard and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and you know what? The neighborhood would change into a trailer park is it the truth absolutely because if you let it get started everything produced after its own kind so even though you think well this is my only vice is a little pornography it's my only advice so I watch a couple guys kiss each other and then girls kiss each other oh that's kind of a thrill man Ooh. You know, uh, well, man, you know, you got to have some entertainment. Got to chill out in life. Come on, man. You know, people cussing and using the F-bomb and, and other people, and, you know, they, that don't mean nothing, man. I can get over that. That ain't you. Hmm. Sir, pretty soon, those spirits see the house as being decorated. And they take it as an invitation. Everybody that wants to join the trailer park, come on in. People start moving their trailers in. They, start, they don't have a trailer. They bring their truck with a camper in until they get enough money to buy a trailer. Yeah, Phyllis and I used to live in a trailer. 10 by 50, wasn't it? 10 by 50. Two bedrooms, a bathroom, a kitchen. And if you wanted to go to the bedroom, you had to go this way, crawl up over the end of the bed, get in the bed. You wanted to go to the bathroom, you had to climb back out, back up, get to the door, cook. then come back up. Make sure you point your rear end the right way or you'd miss the door or you'd be going in the bed the wrong way. 
Now, that was good when I was a drunk because I couldn't get lost. Just one way. But I'm not a drunk anymore. All right. Now, let's go to, uh, so we don't want to decorate our house. I'm asking you right now. I thought of this statement. I want everybody, if you would, write down this statement and keep it in your book for one week. What would I do if Jesus was here? He's going to be nice this week. (laughs) Now, what would I do if Jesus was here? Would you flip that porn on for 10 minutes? Would you watch those modern family or whatever it is? Hmm. Or would you let a station start dropping the F-bomb and use GD and still say, well, it's just entertainment, Jesus. Or would you say, oh, Jesus, let me find something else. Turn it to restless lives. Is that what that is? No, no, that's restless leg syndrome. Uh, uh, <laughs> day, days of, uh, what, what, what is it? You know, that soft porn stuff, you know, you, you know, you don't see them doing it, but you're saying, oh, man, they're doing it. All right, now. Okay. Let's go to Jude 5 through 8, and then we're going to close up. Somebody say, thank God, Pastor. No. no. That's all right, Phyllis. I'm buying you a copy of this CD. Hallelujah. Jude 5, 8. Jude, J-U-D-E, Jude, right before Revelations, right after for Third John, starts with a J, that's it, capital, there you go, right there, thank you. Now, you wonder how I'm seeing that, don't you? I'm not. Now, I will therefore put you in remembrance. It's amazing, these guys that talk to us about contending for the faith, remember, That though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them because they believed not. So could you believe one day and not believe the next? Yes. And then next verse. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting change under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner. We always think it's just Sodom and Gomorrah. It was all the cities that were like them around. Giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Next verse. Likewise also, like, likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, leadership, government, people that tell you what's right or wrong, and speak evil of dignities. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Now let's go to verse uh, 10 through 13. And it says, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. 
Did Cain once stand right with God? Yes, absolutely. But then he chose, and God said, if you choose to do right, then right will happen. If not, sin lies at your door. And ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the game saying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear of man, rebuke, and God, clouds they are without water. They're carried about of winds, spirits, trees whom no fruit, whose fruit withereth. Without fruit, they're twice dead. Anybody know what twice dead means? They got saved and they backslid. That's twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. Verse 13, and it says, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars of whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So now here you had somebody that was only dead once, separated from God, and then they got saved, then they were separated again, and if they don't get it right, is in whom is reserved the darkness, the black of darkness forever. Now let's go to verse 17. Hallelujah. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there should be mockers. Does anybody know what a mocker is? Not a sinner. One that has known God but turned and mocked his ways. I'll call your attention to Oprah Winfrey. Well, you just don't like Oprah. No, I don't, but I don't know her. But I don't think she likes me neither. But she said these words to a collision of faith in one of her TV shows. A woman said, but God said that there is a one way that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. And no man can come into the Father but by him. She said, I believe in Jesus. But I don't follow him. I follow his ways, but I'm not a Christian. What is that? She used to be a Christian. She now mocks the deity of Christ. Now, is she the only one? No, she's not the only one. She's the most popular one that we would know. So I used her. Don't write me your emails. I don't watch O, and I don't. I just don't. Don't. I don't. I don't. And uh, I don't watch Bill... What's that other, Bill Muir, Moore? No, not Muir, Moore, I don't know. What HBO special guy, that, you know, Maurer. Maurer, is that his name? Who? Maher, okay, okay. Bill, I don't watch him. I don't know him. I, I don't, who would watch him? He's nuts. Anyway, they mock God. They mock him because they knew him. In the last time, in in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust? Next verse. These be they who, oh, they would have to be joined to God to separate themselves, God. And they separated themselves. They are sensual or pleasure or lust-driven, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up your 
uh, selves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, here it tells us that we could be saved, we could be lost, we could be alive, and then we could die again. We could be joined to God and then separated from God. We could get out of the way or we could stay in the way. The choice is ours. Could I get an amen? amen. One more scripture and we're closing, I promise, David. 1 John 2, 18. I'm sorry, 1 John 2 must be 8. I got 18 through 18. Is that stupid? All right. And again, a new commandment I write in you. Which thing is true in him, in you, because the darkness is past, and the truth, true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even now. Remember why iniquity abounds? When iniquity abounds, the love of many wax cold. He that's... Okay. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you. Next verse. And I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him, that is from the beginning, and I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him. That is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, and he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children... This is the last time, as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now, are, they many, are there many Antichrists whereby we know it is the last time? Now, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Who mocked God? Those that had once knew him who separated themselves and became sensual, those that once knew God. Now listen to me very carefully. One of the biggest resources of Antichrist are those that have known God, become embittered, separated themselves from God, have tasted and saw that he was good, have left the Father have been one way cleaned and then garnished their house and have become seven times blinder, seven times harder, seven times more deaf, seven times more doubtful, seven times more sinful, seven times more stiff-necked, 
seven times more rebellious. What is happening? It is the work of the spirit of iniquity preparing those, the world, in order for the son of perdition to rise up. Who better yet to say God is not true and that God is a liar? I tried that and it did not work. Then those that have tasted and saw that the Lord is good. Notice he's writing to people that have kept themselves and then he says, but I tell you right now, there are many antichrists. Paul said, I told you that they were the friends of the cross, but I tell you now weeping, they are the enemies of the cross. I tell you that uh, Hymenius and I forget the other guy's name, they have once walked with me, but now they say that the rapture is past and over the Overthrow the faith of some. What happens to those that have had their faith overthrown? They become anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-righteousness, anti-holiness, anti-love, anti-give, whatever it might be, they are anti. I'm telling you, the devil is going about finding people. And he's trying to come back into areas that we have shut off. And he's coming back. And he's coming back, Dr. Obalu, to create an army of Antichrist. See, we always think, oh, they're the sons of the devil. I wonder what Judas ended up being. I wonder about those that crept in unaware. I wonder about those that once knew God. And turned away from God. How about those that came out of Egypt. But cried and built a golden calf. Who were they? Anti-God. Anti-God. The devil is building an army. And he is deceiving. And he is causing disillusionment. He is causing weariness. He's calling, causing compromise, and he's after an army. I don't know about you. If I knew he was coming, how, how many of you remember when they built the uh, bunkers in the 60s? Because we were afraid of the Russians. We were all digging bomb shelters and all that kind of stuff. Why do you want a bomb shelter? Well, what if a bomb comes? Then everybody be knocking on your door knowing you got one. You have more in-laws than you ever thought you would have. Don't, don't have anything in your house. Well, survivalists, I'm, I'm storing up food, and all of us are going to be at your house. Don't store up food. Buy guns. <laughs> Why? Because you can keep people away, and you can get food. We're going to hit somebody with a flying roll like they do in that Lambert's restaurant? Is that what you're going to You're going to throw them some uh, freeze-dried Oreos? <laughs> No, come on. I don't want to have anything anybody else wants. That's why I married Phyllis. Now listen. Uh, That's a low blow. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, stand your feet. You have any complaints about message, you've got to tell God because I have no idea.
I'm telling you, I just wrote down. I said, oh, Jesus. He said, okay. Oh, Pete. All right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen. Let's get holiness right. Let's not count anything that the world offers us worth having. If we love the world, the love of God has no place. We are the people of God. We are washed in the blood. We have tasted and saw that the Lord is good. I know that heaven is real, and I'm going to go there. I'm not going to settle for the wages of unrighteousness because it never pays what it promises. I am going to live my life with a focus on God. Not just on blessing, but on the goodness of God. I am going to run my race, put off whatever has to be off. I'm going to remodel my life that when the devil walks by, he says, ah, we don't want to go there. Nope. And we want to be strong and abide in the word and overcome the wicked one. Saints, the next 24 hours... If I could use these words, don't take it as an insult. It is time to turn from the things that we have returned to. It is time for us to allow God to be God. If revival is ever going to start, it must start with you and I. And if we can let God have his way in our life, if we can let our life rise to our confession that Jesus is Lord, then revival will come. We will walk in a newness. We will see the goodness of God. And we will be that sanctified church, that holy remnant that God is coming after. I don't know about you, but I want to hear the trumpet. I want to hear the voice of the archangel, and I want to see my king. Whatever it takes in this momentary life, I'm willing to give up. I'm going to be more aware than I've ever been. I'm going to be more diligent than I've ever been. I'm going to be more active, going to be more vocal. I'm going to be more committed, more devoted, whatever you want to call it. I am, in the next 24 hours, expecting a radical shift that God has been knocking on my door that I open it and I say, come in. Just come in, Jesus. Come in. Come in and let us sup. Come in. Come in. Come in. Check my life for leaven. Check my home, my mind, my activities for leaven. If it's displeasing, Holy Ghost, show me. Hallelujah. 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 Let's everybody just lift our hands up towards heaven. Just for a couple of moments. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. 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 What is that song we used to sing? Uh, I love you, Lord. Yep. And I lift my voice to worship.
worship you, oh my soul, rejoice. Now give me a key and we'll try to follow it. Make joy, my king, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I lift my never known Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're just like every one of us used to be, a sinner. A sinner is someone that has never been washed in the blood of Jesus. You're still bound by your sins. You're still ordered by Him. You're still ruled by Him. And when you are, you're separated from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says that your sins have separated you from me. God sent his son because he loved you. Sent his son that he could wash away your sins by shedding his blood on a place called Calvary. He sent his son because he loves you. He sent his son so that you would not perish. He sent his son that you could have eternal life. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you have no hope of heaven. But the good news is that Jesus Christ God's only begotten Son came down from heaven and he lived a life of purity and holiness and power and miracles and he came for one purpose to die on a cross that he could shed his blood that your sins could be washed away that you might be saved you can be redeemed friend from your sins you can be redeemed from an eternal hell but the choice is yours Jesus says, follow me. Paul says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today, I want to encourage you that you take this moment and say, Pastor, I want to call upon the Lord. I want my sins washed away. I want to be right with God. I don't want to end up in the army and the, the work of the iniquity and being a part of the coming of the son of perdition I want to be ready when Jesus comes I'm ready to change my life for eternal life and I believe in Jesus Christ is the son of God if that's you today I want you to quickly get out in one of the aisles that is nearest you and come if somebody came with you great you can bring them with you if you're walking down the aisle come with a friend but if not, friend, you are going to stand before God by yourself. Don't let this moment. You say, well, I I'm nervous. Well, I understand that. 
I've, I've been nervous. I was nervous. But I want to challenge you today. If you're here and you're not a Christian right now, get out into the aisle that is nearest you right now and please come wherever you are. Wherever you are. Come on, don't miss this time. Okay, hallelujah. I'm presuming you're all saved. Nobody wants to go to hell, I don't think. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands up one more time. Come on, sing it, Nikki. Hallelujah. And I lift my voice. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. God bless you.